The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So as you sit here, you might take two or three deeper breaths, and as you exhale, let go of whatever you're thinking about or concerned about. Take a deeper breath, and as you exhale, settle in to your body and feel your body. Feel your body and see if you can relax into it, settle into it. Feel the contact of your body with your cushion or your chair or the floor. As a reminder that you're here. In this place at this time, in this body. going to bring up some different themes, concepts. And as you hear these ideas, see what responses arise within you, in your body, in your belly, in your heart, in your mind. What responses, what gets moved or activated or even what thoughts occur. The theme for today is truth, truthfulness. What resonates inside of you with the word truth. closely connected ideas, concepts. What happens within you with the word, the idea of honesty? To be honest.
your body and your heart and your mind. What resonates with the word honesty? with the word authenticity. What resonates inside of you with the idea of being authentic? One of the very helpful responses to truth, helpful for the practice of mindfulness, for the practice of becoming free. One of the most helpful responses is to have a love of truth. What responds within you? What reacts within you to the concept of loving the truth? And the final statement listen carefully to what I'm going to say with as still and open and a full mind as you can and if you can don't automatically think about this but see what bubbles up from inside What shifts or changes inside when you hear this statement? 
for freedom, the love of truth is more important than the love of self. Love of truth is more important than loving oneself. And then to end this sitting, you can take a few long, deep breaths, feel connected to your body. And when you're ready, open your eyes. So welcome to what we call at IMC Dharma practice days. And um, Dharma practice days are days where we practice the Dharma. Uh, But in a wider understanding of what practice is than just meditation practice. Uh, Practice involves any activity that we do where we are practicing to be free, we're practicing to express our freedom, we're practicing to be the truth in some deep way. And there's many ways of practicing. And a very important part in Buddhism is practice in community. <clears throat> uh, without practicing community, there probably really is no practice. Um, it's very hard to practice as a hermit. And... Um, some of the great, uh, some of the really important things that can happen in Buddhist practice uh, happens best when we're practicing together with other people and we discuss the Dharma with other people, we get ourselves reflected in other people, uh, we share ourselves with other people, uh, we're able to kind of uh, engage <clears throat> uh, in a very personal way uh, with the Dharma and the Dharma practice and themes in a way that um, uh, maybe doesn't quite happen if we just sit and read or just listen to a Dharma talk or sit and meditate by ourselves. You're not necessarily challenged in the same way or 
You don't necessarily surprise yourself with what comes out of yourself when you speak or when you engage, as you do when you're talking and with people. So part of these days, Dharma practice days, this year particularly, is involved with um, uh, a little bit of teaching from Inez and I, but um, uh, to help you, offer you a variety of uh, discussion topics or exercises uh, so that with your fellow community here you can engage in some hopefully deep way, penetrating way for yourself around these themes and topics. The theme for the year is uh, uh, the paramis, what's called the perfections, which are ten qualities of character <clears throat> which uh, support the practice of freedom and support the practice of compassion. And uh, what's quite beautiful is that the same ten qualities are said to be supportive of both freedom and compassion. With the idea, at least I feel, that <clears throat> uh, compassion, compassion and activity, freedom, the practice and expression of freedom, are like two hands uh, that wash each other. Yeah, I guess you could wash a hand with one hand, but it's you know, a little bit hard. But you wash yourself best with two hands. They're, they're mutually supportive, they're mutually connected, um, they, they kind of arise together. And I think it's one of the hallmarks of, <clears throat> the, especially the Theravadan tradition, is this uh, intimacy or this um, uh, unity or this um, inseparability of personal freedom, enlightenment, and compassion, compassionate work in the world. <clears throat> the... Um, and so, of these ten qualities, uh, it, uh, we are now, I think, on the seventh, which is um, truthfulness, truth. Satya in Pali, satya in Sanskrit. It's a powerful word <clears throat> because there's power behind truth. In fact, um, the um, Mahatma Gandhi uh, coined this term satyagraha, <clears throat> which is usually translated into English as the power of truth or truth power, uh, the force of truth. Um, uh, it was uh, then kind of re- redone by Martin Luther King in his efforts to do uh, in America, civil rights times, uh, to become soul power. And so the word satya and soul are almost considered, you know, close enough connected that, that uh, Martin Luther King called it soul there's a power and strength to, uh, to truth um, for many reasons. But uh, without truth, without the support of truth, there is no Buddhist practice. It's really a prerequisite for Buddhist practice is a commitment or a love of truth, truthfulness. And uh, it's much more than just you know, being honest with the people you talk to. Um, <clears throat> it's much more because uh, it, uh, the higher requirement, it's a more difficult uh, requirement uh, that practice calls on us, on us to do is not just to be honest to other people, but more importantly to be honest with ourselves. <clears throat> and that's kind of, you know, the, can be much more challenging. And so how to, have, how to discover what's true in ourselves, what's really true. And then and not only discover it and see it, but to become it. And so the task of uh, Buddhism is, traditionally is to become someone who is true. Um, to become authentic, to become true. So we're, our, who we are, how we speak, how we live, is not only aligned, 
with what's true, but in a sense is true. Uh, there's no separate separation between the two. All the other uh, paramis are really supported uh, a lot by a commitment to truth, by the love of truth. Um, the, so um, ethics or integrity is closely connected to it. Generosity, I hope, is connected to truth. Um, renunciation is only healthy if there's truth. Um, wisdom is all about truth. Um, effort, hopefully the effort is to be true. And then uh, patience. We've got to be patient with truth. Truth is a hard, it's a hard partner <laughs> to dance with. And then truth. And then uh, next month it's resolve or determination, <clears throat> strong intention, and then uh, loving kindness and equanimity. So today is truth. Beautiful topic. And, um, and um, you know, for the most part, I want you to engage in the topic, to explore it for yourself, what it means for you. And... Um, and other times, perhaps, uh, we'll do a lot of teaching. I'll do a fair amount of teaching about it, maybe Sunday morning or something. But I, I think it's more important to kind of not give you too much to mess you up with other people's ideas of truth and let it be... You know, it's a process of discovery, which is a big part of what we're trying to do in mindfulness practice or Buddhism. And um, discovery sometimes is interfered by getting too many teachings. And it's one of the shortcomings of the Vipassana movement is that we teach too much. Um, so with that I'll let Inez teach a little bit Um, so the truth was that my, <clears throat> my mind was just absolutely blank there. Uh, <laughs> so that's how, um, that's how it is to be with the truth of the moment. Um, I wasn't planning to say something at that, at this point, you know, so, um, and, um, you know, so the thoughts that come up are, okay, you know, um, you know, I should say something, you know, uh, brilliant, of course, you know. Um, and, you know, one of the, um, I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but one of the really, really important um, turning points in my practice was um, one of the Dharma talks that Gil gave in, uh, I think it was 1994. And um, he was giving a talk, and in the middle of the talk, um, he, um, he went blank. You know, he he, lost, he forgot what he was saying, and he kind of looks around and and he goes, "Oh, that's that's a bit awkward," and then just kind of went back to his talk, and um, and you know, I remember my feeling in my gut, "Oh my God," he said it was awkward, <laughs> and it was a very, uh, you know, it it but he was so comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, just being really authentic in the way he presented himself. And um, it's actually been a reference point to me 
um, you know, throughout throughout the years, you know, always, you know, um, you know that tendency to want to present ourselves a certain way, uh, to you know make uh, have our image appear a certain way, and that's always been that reference point in the in the back. So that moment of authenticity really um, was very powerful. It's an incredibly powerful teaching. <laughs> we'll just pass it back and forth all day. <clears throat> Try to avoid the topic. <laughs> the, um, <clears throat> so, what I'd like you to do is to um, have a discussion amongst yourself now. And um, I thought that it'd be nice if you'd break into groups of five and then um, discuss among yourself the value and the importance of truth, your ideas about it. Now, in order to have the, 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 the discussion be part, partly a group process, kind of a group mind, it isn't just like one person holding forth with their opinions, but rather somehow you're uh, influencing each other, affecting each other, and um, opening doors to each other, uh, uh, eliciting new ideas that you contribute to the group, and kind of you see where the group goes as you kind of unfold the journey that the group takes together. Um, you might want to start by going around in a circle a few times, in a maybe clockwise way, and, um, and someone offers something that's not a long speech. Uh, something, you know, doesn't have to be just one sentence, but something that's relatively brief about uh, how you feel, um, what you feel is uh, uh, valuable or important about truth. And then someone else offers something. And each time somebody, someone offers something, it's going to uh, affect the other people. They're, they're going to have associations, it's going to remind them of something, it's going to you know, suggest something to them. And then when it comes back to you again, what you've heard from the other four will somehow maybe inform what you contribute next time. And so, uh, and so you go around that a few times, and you might be surprised by what comes out of your mouth as you keep going around because you're being influenced or affected by the group, this group process going on. At some point, after doing that a few times, it feels you know naturally easy enough. You can break the circle, just kind of have more of a cross kind of talk or whatever. But just be careful; one person doesn't talk a lot. It should be really be a shared uh, thing. Um, and um, so, if you could please uh, give some care to uh, uh, trying to do five people in a group, and uh, and if someone doesn't find a group of five. Why don't you walk towards the front, and that way you can find each other. And if there's some, not a multiple of five here, I'll help us, uh, you know, uh, figure out what to do because of that. So. Oh, you're welcome to take chairs out in the outer hall and sit out there, spread around a little bit, and, uh, or even go in the conference room if you want. And uh, we'll probably do this about... Um, um, Probably have about 20 minutes for this, and then we'll come back and have a discussion how that went.
So I was hoping to uh, take about five minutes to hear some brief comments from some of you. Uh, what it was like to do those conversations? What came out? What was surprising? What was new for you? New ideas? Our group could have kept going longer. It was um, uh, a topic that really resonated for all of us. Uh, I think we all had a lot to say that meant something to us. And um, there there were a lot of different ways of looking at the truth. So we were um, doing that. Beautiful. Thank you. Straight back. Well, some of us uh, became kind of un- uncomfortable with the word truth in itself. It, it's, it's a really tricky word because uh, there's your truth and your truth and your truth. And we, we felt like honesty and uh, authenticity were, were, were better words. What you bring up is a very interesting topic. I've noticed that somehow in the last 10, 15 years, this expression that people often use, you know, it's my truth and your truth. And I don't think they're really referring to truth. What they're referring to is uh, uh, people's opinion or people's experience. And it's interesting to differentiate between um, uh, an, an ex- what we directly experience and what's true or what we, how we perceive and what's true. Um, sometimes what we perceive is not necessarily true. And, but to say my truth is what I perceive or my truth is what I think or what I believe uh, makes the, the the boundaries between uh, or makes what truth is pretty fuzzy um, and so I think it's maybe very careful with language and sometimes we want to use language saying I believe um, as opposed to it's my truth um, anyway that's so someone else please Well, I had the same trouble with the word truth. Um, did it, does it mean historic truth? Does it mean scientific truth? Or does it mean my personal truth at this moment? Okay, good, good question. Um, I got kind of excited about the idea that um, kind of came from our, out of our group of that compassion is inherent in the truth. Compassion? Mm-hmm. Compassion is inherent in truth. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I think our, our group um, struggled with that concept too, with you know, perspective versus the truth and you know, what is the, the truth, you know, because blind man and the elephant uh, syndrome. So uh, we came to a point in the conversation when we were actually 
looking what is what is universally true for all of us. Uh, and, I, and I just want to share um, one that came up that I just uh, think is wonderful. One of the things that we could all really readily agree on is just the, the fragile nature. Thanks, Richard. The fragile nature of uh, of the body and just how fragile we are, and and that includes the mind, but the, the fragile nature of the body in particular. Um, and beyond that, we couldn't. <laughs> There wasn't like a long Christmas list of truths that we were, were fighting. It was, okay, fragility. And then we just worked with that and massaged that. So uh, we all had the same issues and conflictions about truth. So for me, what I've ultimately think that would make sense for me is one of the things that you said the very last instruction that you said or thought that you had is I think it's important to start with being truthful with myself first and perhaps that will resolve itself with being truthful with other people in not just being always right but may perhaps being um, taking compassion into consideration and other people's feelings into consideration even though the facts may be correct it may not be the right thing to be truthful. <laughs> so, but um, in order for that to happen, I need to be truthful to myself first so that I'm not clinging onto something that I'm not supposed to be. So that's kind of where I'm coming to understand uh-huh. how I want to approach this. And beautiful, thank you. So it points out that um, there's an interesting distinction between fact and truth. They say that truth has power, but facts don't necessarily have power. So what's the difference between facts and truth? So, so yes, please. Um, in our group, uh, we talked about um, some of the emotions that you get uh, in regards to truth or not truth. And, and we were talking about you know, when somebody lies to you and, and that the feelings that you get inside that anger you might feel or the hurt uh, so we dealt with some of the emotional kinds of things that you might have and living with um, if you were raised in the south or the midwest there's a lot of social truth things that go on um, and games that are played with uh, how you're supposed to live your life and I think the best was um, truth should be simple <laughs> Although we realized it's lovely in the abstract, but in reality that may be much more difficult. And, um, and that to be comfortable in your own truth. And uh, one gentleman in particular said he felt that in um, meditation practice and doing the practice, by becoming more aware, you notice <laughs> when people uh, of the truth more and you, and, and you can kind of step back a little bit from that and how you live with that. Beautiful. Thank you very much. So one more. Right here, Don, in front. So one thing that came up in our group was the notion of the search for truth as a visceral process. And um, that there would be almost kind of a homing instinct or an orientation to the world that comes forth in that process. 
And that kind of paradoxically, part of that is letting go of any notion of truth with a capital T for ourselves. Um, I guess letting go of opinions and being this process of open inquiry that happens. Beautiful. Thank you. So um, that was the beginning, warming you up on this topic of truth. And uh, so let's take a break for 20 minutes. So let me start again at maybe... Oh, the, the clock, clock is not working. <laughs> the minutes are correct. Yeah, so let's start at 11. And um, 